Coming to you live from the JRE Tobacco Aladino Mobile Studios, it's the Cigar Pulpit. Hello everybody and welcome to another sermon from the Cigar Pulpit. I'm the Bishop of the Burn, Nick, and today I'm going to be teaching you all about Cinco de Mayo. This episode kind of drops on Cinco de Mayo, so it seemed appropriate to give a little bit of history about the uh, the day. Um, it's one of those days that I think a lot of people get confused about. They think that it's uh, the Mexican Independence Day. And um, through a little bit of research, I am going to teach you the story of Cinco de Mayo. But first, we're going to fire up a cigar. And appropriately enough, the cigar I'm firing up has a Mexican San Andreas wrapper because... That's how I, I picked it. So today I am going to be smoking the ATL Magic. This is a 6x54 Toro featuring a Mexican San Andreas wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, and Nicaraguan filler. And it comes to us from our friends at ATL Cigars. Um, admittedly, I was digging through the humidor and trying to find something that was uh, uh, this to wrapper type. And this is the first thing that popped up and I saw it and I was like, I think that's a Mexican San Andreas. And sure enough, it was. So it worked out really well. Um, so we're going to go ahead and prep to cut the cigar. And the official cutting is brought to you by Dan the Man Ponder there at Riverman Cigar Company of Crestwood, Missouri. Dan the Man Ponder, he's got that 1,500 square foot covered patio. And let me tell you guys, it's gorgeous out in St. Louis right now. A little bit of rain periodically, but by and large, it is super nice. So it is a good time to go ahead and take advantage of that 1,500 square foot covered patio. You have the wide variety of cigars inside the shop to pick from, ranging from Aladino to Fuente and Newman to um, Perdomo and all of them in between. And guys, you're going to find, if you come to Riverman Cigar Company, you're going to find something good. You know, you're either going to find something that you know you like and you're going to be all in for, or you're going to dig around and you're going to find one of Dan's little hidden treasures. Those cigars that have been sitting there and aging for a while and, you know, uh, getting nice and, uh, nice and ready for you to smoke them. So um, make sure if you're in the St. Louis area to swing by Riverman Cigar Company. Otherwise, Dan does do mail order, so you can give him a call, and either he or Cindy or somebody will be glad to take you on a virtual tour around the humidor through the phone and get a package of cigars uh, prepped and sent to you right away. It's Riverman Cigar Company, Crestwood, Missouri, and with that, it's time to go ahead and cut the cigar. So I am going to do a straight cut on this cigar because that's what I feel like today. And I'm lighting the cigar with my Vertigo Saber. It is a nice two-jet lighter. They come together to make a little point. Uh, the jets are angled to make a pinpoint, you know, flame. And it does feature a nice V-cut on the lighter itself. I did choose to do the straight cut. But first, we're going to do the cold draw. And on cold draw... Hmm. Hmm. You know, there's just a little bit of what almost tastes like kind of cocoa-y kind of flavor. But then maybe I'm crazy. And maybe I'm like, you know, whatever. But uh, maybe the tongue's tingling from the cigars I had last night. But uh, I feel like there's like a hint, just a very, very light hint 
of like a black pepper that comes through. Just just a little bit. Not not a ton, but just a little bit that makes you think, you know, this guy might have some spice. And, you know, with a uh, Nicaraguan binder and filler, I would expect that. So we're going to go ahead and fire this up and get that going. And... We're going to get the cigar going, and then we'll get the history going. Now, you guys might be asking, where's Gator? And uh, the answer to that is, uh, well, you know, that's his business. Um, but... The way it's looking is that, uh, you know, from here on out, He uh, only wants to do one a week, and uh, so that means that I will be doing the second one, and apparently, I guess he's decided on Tuesdays, so um, that means that uh, uh, from here on out, he'll be on Tuesdays, I'll be on Fridays, and you know, uh, I'm going to try my best to find guests to be on with me on Fridays. Be they manufacturers, reps, retailers, or even consumers. So, you know, it's one of those things. We'll make it work. It'll be fine. It's no big deal. Um, but, uh, yeah. He's been he's been making noise about that for a while. And he finally decided that he was just going to do it. So, anyway. We have lit the cigar. And... Initial impression um, is a nice, smooth, easy, you know, draw on it. The uh, the smoking experience so far, the, the, the flavor of it, it's not anything, uh, you know, bowling over or noticeable, maybe slightly earthy. Um, and uh, I'll do a right off of what retro hell. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's where that pepper is. <coughs> that's where that pepper is. If you uh, if you do that right off the foot retro hail there, that pepper hits you, and uh, um, it's present. It's definitely present. So we'll see how much that ramps up uh, throughout the rest of the cigar. So, getting into the topic at hand of the day, Cinco de Mayo. Now this episode drops on Cinco de Mayo, so that's why I kind of decided this would be appropriate. Um. As I said earlier, Cinco de Mayo is not Mexican Independence Day. Um, the Cinco de Mayo, meaning the 5th of May, uh, it's a holiday that celebrates the date of the Mexican Army's victory over France in the Battle of Puebla during the Franco-Mexican War. And that battle took place on May 5th, 1862. Um, it's also known as the Battle of Puebla Day for obvious reasons. And um, in 1861, so we're going back a year prior to the battle. In 1861, Benito Juarez was elected president of Mexico. By the way, I did a, I did research. This comes to us from History Channel. So, I mean, they vet this really, really hard. So this is, this is probably about as good as you're going to get. So uh, Benito Juarez was elected Me president of Mexico. And at the time, the country was in really bad financial ruin over years of internal strife. 
and the new president was forced to default on debt payments to European governments. So Mexico owed money to some different European governments. Well, in this case, France, Great Britain, and Spain sent their naval forces to Veracruz, Mexico, demanding repayment. Now, Britain and Spain, they sat down and they worked with Mexico. They negotiated and kind of came to an agreement and they withdrew their military forces. France, however, which was ruled at the time by Napoleon uh, Bonaparte, he decided to use the opportunity to carve an empire into the Mexican territory. So in late 1861, a well-armed fleet stormed Veracruz, landing a large force of troops and driving President Juarez and his government into retreat. So the French, they were super cocky. I mean, they, they were convinced that success was going to come swiftly. So they had 6,000 French troops there, and this is where I'm going to start to butcher stuff because we're getting into some names, and I've been practicing all morning, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, 6,000 French troops, and they were under General Charles Latrille de Lorences. That's one that I butchered. Uh, Set out to attack Puebla de Los Angeles, and it's a small town in east-central Mexico. And... From his new headquarters in the north, uh, President Juarez rounded up 2,000 loyal men. And this was a ragtag force of people, guys. This was, this was indigenous Mexicans, uh, mixed ancestry, and he sent them all to uh, Puebla, uh, Puebla de Los Angeles. And so now you've got 2,000 just pulled together, you know, um, Mexican troops taking on 6,000 trained French military men. And this vastly outnumbered and poorly supplied Mexican force was led by Texas-born General Ignacio Zaragoza. All right. They fortified the town, and they prepared for the French assault. Well, that assault came on May 5th, 1862, when the French gathered their army. They had heavy artillery. And they led an assault against Puebla. The battle lasted from daybreak until early evening. And when the French finally retreated, they had lost nearly 500 soldiers. But but fewer than 100 Mexicans had been killed during the, the battle. So while it's not a major strategic win in the overall war against the French... Uh, Zaragoza's success at the Battle of Puebla on May 5th represented a great symbolic victory for the Mexican government and bolstered the resistance movement. And then in 1867, um, thanks in part to military support and political pressure from the United States, which had just come out of the Civil War, so they were kind of unable to help during this period of time because, you know, let's be real, the United States had its own set of problems going on at that point. Uh, in 1867, France finally withdrew. And that same year, Austrian Archduke Ferdinand Maximilian, who was installed as the Emperor of Mexico in 1864 by Napoleon, was captured and executed by Juarez's forces. And Puebla de Los Angeles was renamed for General Zaragoza, who died of typhoid fever months after the historic victory there. So that's what happened on May 5th, 1862. That's what Cinco de Mayo is all about. 
It's it's a victory at the Puebla de Los Angeles over the French army, and it's a big victory. Sorry, I had to take a puff to keep my cigar going. Um, now, these days, Cinco de Mayo is primarily observed within the state of Puebla, where the victory occurred. Although other parts of the country also, they, you know, they take part in the celebration. But Cinco de Mayo is not nearly as big of a holiday in Mexico as it is here in the United States, um, comparatively. Um, traditions in Mexico include military parades, uh, recreations of the Battle of Puebla, and other festive events. For many Mexicans, however, May 5th is a day just like any other. It's not a federal holiday, so offices, banks, and stores, they remain open. In the United States, Cinco de Mayo is widely interpreted as a celebration of Mexican culture and heritage, particularly in areas with substantial Mexican-American populations. Uh, revelers mark the occasion with parades, parties, mariachi music, Mexican folk dancing, traditional foods such as tacos, mole pueblo, uh, poblano, and other um, beverages such as margaritas. Um, some of the largest festivals are held in Los Angeles, Chicago, and Houston. And um, just a little information, just because I brought up the Mexican Independence Day, uh, a lot of people mistake Cinco de Mayo for the Mexican Independence Day. Um, Independence Day in Mexico, which is Dia de las Independencia, is commemorated on September 16th, actually. It's the anniversary of the revolutionary priest Miguel Miguel uh, Hidalgo y Castilla. His famous uh, cry of the Dolores, referring to the city of Dolores Hidalgo. Uh, I am butchering this. I'm sorry. Um, Mexico, and it basically what it is it's it was a call to arms that amounted to a declaration of war against the Spanish colonial government in 1810. So basically, Mexican Independence Day is September 16th. Cinco de Mayo commemorates a battle that uh, the Mexican military was not supposed to win, but they did, and uh, you know continued along. So now you know what you're drinking margaritas in honor of. Um, so yeah, I don't know what all you guys have going on for Cinco de Mayo, but, mm, around here, you know, lots of, uh, uh, people go out to the Mexican restaurants, they go out to different bars and whatnot, I know, um, you know, um, the, uh, one of the mobile studio locations, Top Shooters, is gonna be having a bunch of specials that day, you know, tacos, margaritas, things of that nature, you know, it's it's one of those days that um, uh, it just feels like everybody decides to go out and have Mexican food that day. Um, but, you know, it's it's more than that, and I wanted to convey some information. I, I like history. Um, that's uh, It's a fun, fun thing to uh, get into. And I don't know if people really dig into history nearly as much as they should sometimes. You know, we... Uh, We tend to just kind of live, and um, the thing is, I think if we paid more attention to what happened in the past, maybe we wouldn't be repeating some of the problems that we deal with these days. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, so that's what I got going. Um, that didn't take nearly as long as I thought it was going to. Um, hopefully I didn't put everybody to sleep. 
So far, just a little bit in on my ATL Magic. Now, this uh, cigar was made for ATL Cigar Company initially by Luciano. Um, however, uh, since then, <laughs> Luciano and ATL are, you know, uh, attached to the hip. You know, we uh, learned a little bit about that at uh, TPE. I guess, uh, you know, there were... I, I don't want to get into it because, quite frankly, there, this is business dealings that uh, I'm not... I, I'm speaking of ignorance from, but I do know that they are they are connected now, ATL and Luciano. And so we need to, at some point, have Peter or somebody from either ATL or Luciano, you know, come on the show and kind of discuss it. But um, I didn't uh, have time to make that happen today. Anyway, um, what else can we talk about? Why don't we go ahead and get into the Villiger Entertainment segment, and then we can kind of uh, go from there. So uh, I still don't have a drop, so it's the Villiger Entertainment segment. And guys, if you haven't tried Villiger cigars, you're missing out. You got to get in on it. Um, they're great cigars, and uh, you know you can find where to find them at uh, Villiger Cigars website. You can find a store locator. It'll tell you exactly where to go to get your Villiger cigars. Um, the Villiger de Nicaragua is one of my personal favorites, as well as the La Libertad. Love the La Libertad. Um, if you can track one down, the Villiger TAA cigars are typically very fantastic. My personal favorite of the three that I've had so far is the Villiger 2020 TAA. Um, I still have one left in the humidor. I, I saw it when I was digging around and found this guy. And uh, it's, uh, it's just sitting there chilling and waiting for a really good occasion to break it out. But... Uh, Guys, do yourself a favor, find Villiger cigars, give them a try. Anyway, so as for the Villiger Entertainment segment, what have I been watching lately? I f Sometimes when I'm watching TV, I, um, I just don't feel like a show that I have to really concentrate on. I want something that's pretty basic, pretty simple, something that I can just kind of zone out and just let play, and it can be mindless, but I can be entertained. Part of the thing, you know, like, I, I've cut the cord, so I have nothing but streaming apps at this point, and one thing I deal with with that is there are times when I just want to sit there and channel surf and just look for something that looks entertaining, and when I find it, I can stop. But you can't do that with streaming. You have to actually specifically know what you want and seek it out and and click it and play it. And so it's nice to have like a bank of just mindless shows that you can kind of go back and watch. And so I found a new one. Um, it's called Nailed It. And it's on Netflix. And it's basically like it, they've got this French chef. And... He makes some really elaborate looking cake or or uh, baked good. And then these three bakers, and I use air quotes on that because they're typically pretty horrible. Um, their job is to recreate it. And so for half an hour, you sit and you watch three people just completely struggle to attempt to bake this, you know, replica baked good. And then, of course, you get to look at the 
properly done one on one side and their shitty reproduction on the other side and um, laugh at how bad of a job they did. And everybody takes it in good fun. I mean, the winner of each episode wins like fucking $10,000. And the thing is, I'm watching this and I'm thinking, I'm not a good baker. So could I get on this show, bake a really shitty cake? All I have to do is make sure it's better than the other two shitty cakes and win $10,000? Because if that's the case, I am all in. I mean, I will gladly, I mean, let's be real, I've been making an ass out of myself on this show for, what, nearly four years. I'm more than willing to make an ass out of myself on a baking show and show that I don't know how to bake. But as long as I can make a better cake than two other jokers and then I can win $10,000, I am 100% in on that. So, nailed it on Netflix. That's, uh, that's a nice mindless show that I've been watching. Um, you know, one of the things about doing this by yourself is you always got to take a break to puff on the cigar. And typically somebody else is talking when I can do that. So, you know, I always do get self-conscious about it. You guys are always really nice when I put out these solo episodes and, you know, you don't, you don't pick on me about that, but it's something that is in my head. But anyway, um, the other show that I have not fully caught up on, but I have watched some of, is the most recent uh, season of Succession. And I had watched the first two episodes. I just got done watching the third episode of the fourth season of Succession. And um, first of all, if you're not watching Succession, you're missing out. It's, it's a good show. I will admit, it did take me two or three episodes to get into it. After you watch the first episode, you're like, none of these people are likable. Why do I give two shits about this show? Everybody on this show is an asshole. And admittedly, that's true. Um, but they kind of grow on you after a little while. And before long, one of them actually kind of comes through as a really decent guy. He's just, But he is an asshole. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's... It's it's a bizarre situation. Like it's a, it's a bizarre show where you know um, you don't necessarily want to like the people, but you just kind of find yourself doing so. Anyway, the third season, third episode of the fourth season, uh, called Connor's Wedding. I just got done watching that one, and uh, holy shit, guys! Like um, I can't get in. I, no spoilers. You know, for those of you who, you know, are watching it and uh, maybe uh, haven't gotten to that point or maybe those of you who are thinking about watching it and everything, no spoilers, but holy shit, um, giant um, plot shift, giant, giant, sh the, the chessboard is, is completely different now. Um, everything about this show just changed and I'm very much looking forward to seeing how the rest of this season, and this is the last season, so, you know, this is it. I'm, I'm very curious to see how the rest of this season plays out. There's three episodes that have been released um, after this, so episodes four, five, and six are out and, and available. New ones drop every Sunday. I, I like to let them bank up for a little while so that I can binge them, um, because when I watched seasons one and two, um, I binged them, and I... I got in on it right in time for season three. So I binged one and two and then watched season three week to week. 
I just don't care for the week to week. I like to sit and just plow through it if I can. Um, so I'm letting them kind of build up a little bit. And, uh, you know, we'll go from there. But, um, so yeah, so I watched some Succession, and I watched some Nailed It. And um, I, I'm still working my way through Batman the Animated Series. Um, I'm in the third season of that now. It's when the art style changed. Uh, I think they went from... Uh, Fox to CW at that point, and so the art style changed on it. But uh, still, really, I, I mean, that's my safety blanket show. I mean, I can go back to Batman the Animated Series all the time, and it's always so good. Um, but anyway, touching my uh, magic up here, it I think went out. Mm. Fantastic cigar, though, so far. Um, little, little, little hints of that pepper on the smoking experience. Mostly a nice earthy kind of, uh, smoking, uh, flavor to it. And, um, you know, I do have a little bit of wind coming through here in the JRE Tobacco Aladino Mobile Studios here, um, on my, well, technically we're under my carport. Um, you know, and, uh, there's a little bit of wind coming through, but my burn line is super tight. The ash, you know, it falls off very clean. And uh, the draw, and it's been really great. So I have uh, I have great things to say about the ATL magic so far. So with that, why don't we go ahead and get into this? We all need to live united, but one must go. Brought to you by United Cigars, makers of La Giana Havana, Abuelo, Red Anchor, Firecracker, and of course, United Cigars. Distributors of Jose Dominguez, Garofalo, Montoza, and Terranova, and the highly acclaimed Atabay, Byron, and Bandolero. Buy United, Smoke United, Live United, United Cigars. So, this is one of those segments that's typically more fun with two people. But, uh, you know, we don't have two people, so I'm going to do this by myself, and, uh, you know, we'll figure it out. So, in honor of Cinco de Mayo, and the fact that everybody's going out and having Mexican food today, I figured we'd do uh, one must-go of Mexican food items. Now, uh, Oliver Nouveau of United Cigars, he's a taco man. He is a taco connoisseur. Street tacos, the man loves tacos. And so, I'm going to go with, we're going we're gonna to go one must-go here. We're going to go tacos. We're going to go um, burritos. And we're going to go nachos. And I picked those this morning coming on here. Haven't put any thought into this. So you're about to hear my my rambling train of thought as I figure this out, like, right here. Because I, I didn't want to have this pre-planned so that, you know, it was boring. Um, I am a big taco fan myself. I love tacos. Street tacos um, are are really good um there's a place uh maybe 20 25 minutes from me that makes um it's a breakfast place and they make the best breakfast tacos it's like a chorizo scrambled egg you know kind of thing some salsa and sour cream fantastic breakfast tacos um I just like a normal, typical taco. I mean, even down to the the garbage jack-in-the-box tacos that, you know, are like the best hangover or drunk food you can get. I mean, 
tacos are just one of those foods that I'm I'm always all about. Um, burritos, uh, that's kind of one of my other go-tos in terms of Mexican food. Um, oftentimes, when I go to a new Mexican restaurant, the first thing I always get is chicken fajitas. I always judge a Mexican restaurant by their chicken fajitas. If you can't do chicken fajitas right, you're not going to get anything else right. Um, because for me, the perfect chicken fajita, it's cooked down. It's really cooked down. It's caramelized up. Those peppers and onions and everything, they're, they're cooked down and they're, they're caramelized and they're soft and they're kind of sweet. And, and, and they've got that, that kind of brown glaze to them and everything. Um, and the chicken's done well. You know, when I get chicken fajitas and, um, you know, the, the peppers and onions still have snap to them and the, 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 they basically seem slightly, you know, like they've flame kissed, not even cooked. Or like if the chicken is, um, you can tell that it's like just really pristine white meat, breast meat, chicken, you know, that it's not seasoned properly enough. You know, um, I, I, the, uh, I'm trying to think of a place that I've been that yeah, a lot of like your your chain restaurants, your your 54th Street, your Chili's, you know, these kind of places, they tend to have kind of subpar chicken fajitas. You know, I like I like a nice caramelized up, you know, chicken fajita. And um, but I don't necessarily always like doing the work of a chicken fajita, you know, where you got. The tortilla, and then you've got the the stuff, the beans and the rice, and you you know you're putting the fajita stuff in the tortilla, and you know the the cheese and the sour cream and the you know you're you're you got to make your your essentially you're making a taco you know with your fajitas, and um, I don't necessarily always feel like doing the work you know. Um, and having the multiple plates on the table because you always get the hot plate and then you get the other plates and everything. So what I like to do is I like to default to a fajita burrito, get like a chicken fajita burrito. And um, that's always really good. And, you know, what I'll do with that is, you know, you kind of eat that, but then inevitably you have some like spillage. You have some some fajita guts that kind of end up on the plate. That's where that little basket of chips on the plate on the table comes from. And you scoop it, and you kind of make yourself a little little nacho thing going on there. So, you know, that would be. It's hard for me to cut the burrito because that's like my secondary fajita delivery device. Um, you know, but. Uh, and also, I don't know if you would count, you know, since we're counting street tacos and breakfast tacos and all that under tacos, you know, I don't know if you would count, like, the burrito bowl. Like, for example, you know, when I go to uh, Chipotle or Qdoba, I like to get a burrito bowl, and um, then I'll, I'll get the chips, and I'll just eat it. I'll kind of scoop it and eat it that way. You know, makes the meal last longer, too. If you're just, like, shoveling it in with a fork, I mean, like, it, it just goes too quick. So anyway, um, so the burrito, that, that's where I, I, I kind of mentally am at with the burritos. As for nachos, um, I'm picky about my nachos. I cannot stand going to like the movie theater or the ballpark and getting the basic round chips with that just fucking disgusting orange like 
jalapeno flavored nacho cheese. That I just that's disgusting. I can't do it. I don't like it. Um, you know, it's it's no good. And um, nachos typically there's a finite window in which you can eat them. They have to be fresh. If they've sat for just a period of time, you know, the chips are gonna get all super soggy. Um, you also need to find somewhere that does them well. For example, you know, um, I've been to restaurants where they have the big bed of, of chips and they put all the stuff on the top. And after you eat that first layer of the chips, you're stuck with a, a plate full of chips that maybe have little dollops of cheese left on them because everything was on that top layer. And so now you've just got a big plate of chips that that's boring as well. That's, that's sloppy. You gotta, you gotta layer, you gotta do chips, stuff, chips, stuff, chips, stuff. You know, you got to layer it. That way, you know, you get stuff on all the chips. And um, not everybody does that. I will say, you know, I was talking about the burrito being my secondary um, fajita delivery device. I'll say that fajita nachos, if done really well, are fantastic. And I love those, too. Um, I just had some of those this past weekend when um, my son and I went and had Mexican. Because my son loves Mexican food. And so, um, nachos are one of those things where if done right, it can be really, really good. And sometimes you just feel like some nachos, you know, it's like, you just, you just, it just, it's good. Um, but if one had to go, uh, if one had to go. And I were like contemplating like all the aspects involved. I'm keeping tacos. That's that's a given. I'm keeping tacos. This is a fight between burritos and nachos. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, you know, by and large, the only burrito I get is the fajita burrito or a burrito bowl at like, you know, like I said, Qdoba or Chipotle. Realistically... Nacho-wise, I typically only get fajita nachos. Um, So it's kind of a matter of which fajita delivery device do I like more. And the thing is, I think I'm going to get rid of nachos. Because with the burrito, it comes in the burrito. But like I said, when when stuff like spills out, you know, when you have that little that little gut spillage from the burrito, you just take the chips off the table and you scoop it. So you're almost getting a little bit of nacho mixed with the with the burrito. Um, so you're kind of cheating in that regard. So I think I'm going to go with the nachos. I think I'm going to cut the nachos. Um, but it's not easy. I'll say that much. All three of them have something to offer. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. What would you guys do? Uh, reach out through, uh, the, uh, you know, whatever means we have all sorts of means and let me know which, which one of the three would you guys cut? The one must go segment was brought to you by United Cigars. United we smoke. Mm, Okay. So, um, I guess just getting into some other business, we'll go ahead and do this real quick. This would normally be the time that I give some information about my monthly cigars, but I've hired that out this week, so take it away. 
My Monthly Cigars is a premium cigar subscription service. It comes in a variety of different size boxes at affordable prices. Use offer code PULPIT and get free shipping on your first box and 20% off any items in the online store at MyMonthlyCigars.com. That's offer code PULPIT. Thanks. Thanks. So, um, <coughs> that, uh, don't forget about the fucking good coffee over there at uh, My Monthly Cigars. And um, I will say, we forgot to mention it on Tuesday's show. Um, I do not know how many are left um, because I do know they have been selling. Um, but, uh, <coughs> oh my, sorry. <coughs> Got myself a little mm, choked up on the smoke there. Um, I do know that the limited edition broke as hose sticker, which was, uh, the link was, uh, put up in the cigar pulpit parishioners group on Facebook. That limited edition sticker has been selling. I do know that, um, Nick was getting ready to be mailing those. I don't know um, how many are left available, but if you're interested in getting the first of the uh, hopefully Cigar Pulpit sticker collection, um, it's a limited edition sticker, man. Only 50 of them made. Um, so you can you can declare yourself a broke-ass hoe just like uh, me and Jeff. And, uh, you know, you can get that. It's only 5 bucks. That includes shipping, so it's a flat 5 bucks. For the sticker, and it'll get to you, and uh, you can you can declare yourself a broke ass hoe. Speaking of being a broke ass hoe, um, mm, the cigar authority they did uh, they did respond to our um, purchase offer in Wednesday's uh, after show uh, this week. So if you uh, go, if you don't follow them, but you want to hear it. Go on over to wherever you get your podcast. Look for the after show entitled An Offer We Can Refuse. Um, and, uh, you know, just kind of listen to that. Um, needless to say, negotiations, um, they, uh, they've gotten more difficult. Um, uh, Dave is uh, asking um, quite a bit for the show. And, you know, that's fair. I mean, he's put in a lot of time, a lot of effort energy into it so you know i mean you don't want to give it away for nothing still think the rotisserie chicken and the uh, cracker barrel gift cards were a pretty good uh pretty good offer but uh you know um give it a listen and uh jeff and i are preparing our rebuttal we will hopefully have that for them in tuesday's show where we uh counter you know come back with our counter um and uh you know we're gonna up the ante you know we're gonna we're gonna we're going to up the ante. I don't know if I'm going to be able to provide Dave the body parts that he was asking. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I'm, I, I kind of need my heart. Um, I will be more than happy to give him Gator's heart if he would like, if that's a sufficient, you know, thing. Um, so, you know, there's that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I don't. I don't, although that, Mr. John did point out, that is murder. Um, like, if I take, if I if I go and take Gator's heart, you know, um, that is murder. So, I, I don't know if I, if I'm going down that road. But, uh, yeah, um, 
there's a lot more. We're, we're, we're very far apart. Let's put it that way. We're very far apart. But I do think that there is room to negotiate. We just, uh, you know, we just got to slowly make this happen. So, anyway, we've got that going on. Um, also, one other thing I wanted to point out, you know, in terms of uh, other podcasts, Friends of the Pulpit, um, this Saturday, May the 6th, um, at the uh, Greenville, Illinois, um, there's a farm museum um, right off of uh, Highway uh, 70 um, in Greenville, Illinois. And um, again, this is for more. Uh, this is more for our listeners that are in the St. Louis area. If you've got nothing going on tomorrow, May 6th, head on out to the Greenville Farm uh, Museum. There you will find. What the hell is that? Oh, sorry, guys. A bird distracted me, but he was hanging upside down, so it almost looked like a bat. And I was like, dude, it is freaking 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Why is a bat out? Anyway, um, our friends from the Smoking Butts and Tap and Ash podcast will be out there doing their barbecue thing. They're going to be set up. They're going to be um, in a, I, I don't know if it's a barbecue competition or if they're just going to be setting up and selling their meat. But they are going to be out there doing the barbecue thing. It's going to be a good time. And um, they are bugging the hell out of me about going out there. Don't know if I'm going to make it. Um, it's uh, one of those things that, uh, you know, I don't know if I have. I, I've got a lot going that day. Uh, I'm going to try my best. But, uh, you know, we'll see. And... Um, uh, they also are going to be taking part in a barbecue competition in Waterloo, Illinois, on Saturday the 13th, May the 13th. Um, so there are two opportunities for our St. Louis listeners to give a try to the Smoking Butts and Tap and Ash uh, barbecue team. Guys, the brisket, it's like candy. You're going to want to get out there. If for nothing else, the burnt ends. They are absolutely amazing. I don't know how they do it. Um, I don't have the equipment to even remotely attempt to do it uh, myself, and I don't want to. I want to just eat theirs. I, that's all I want to do. I just want to eat theirs. So get out there and uh, give their barbecue a try. And, uh, you know, if you haven't listened to their podcast, it's entertaining. I like it. Um, we're having some good banter back and forth, especially with Travis, who can't say his M's. And um, they're having fun with that, you know, hunky bread. And, uh, you know, we're having a good time. So, anyway, uh, if you're in the St. Louis area and you're looking for some great barbecue, check that out. Oh. Mm. Thoughts on the ATL Magic so far? I am I'm probably done with the first third, entering the second third. Um, good smoke, slow smoking smoke. Um, like, you know, I'm I'm what? 43 minutes into the podcast here i'm uh maybe um let's just say i don't know 35 nah i wasn't talking for eight minutes before i lit up the cigar um you know i I, i'd say maybe you know 40 30 38 to 40 minutes into the cigar and i'm only done with the first third it is a slow smoking cigar um it's very good. Um, it's much smoother than you would think. It's much lighter than you would think. Um, you know, it's it's not 
not bowling me over. I was expecting uh, quite a bit more from it. I've had it before, but I'll admit it has been quite a while since I've smoked an ATL Magic, and so it's kind of it's always fun, kind of circling back on a cigar that you know you've had but you can't remember because um, you know you kind of you kind of rediscover it, and um, I I know it's been a, a long while since I've had one of these and really concentrated on it, and so. It's not it's not bowling me over with with much flavor the um, the uh, or, or body and everything the um, uh, smoking experience it is still kind of earthy uh, the pepper the spice is kind of way you know kind of kind of receded back a little bit um, and it's just kind of it it's good it's got it's got it does have it's not bowling me over with flavor but it but it's got flavor i don't want to make it sound like it's not flavorful at all um it's got flavor and um but it's a just nice easy going smoke i'm 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 enjoying it especially given the fact it is the first cigar of the day for me i'm going to give it another retro hail here and uh see if that see if that spice is kind of receded off the retro hail No, it has not. <laughs> That's where it's at. The uh, the peppery spice of this cigar is definitely in the retrohale of it. So, um, which makes sense. I mean, you can't have a cigar with Nicaraguan binder and filler and not have. I, I mean, I guess you could, but realistically, it would be uncharacteristic to have a cigar with uh, Nicaraguan binder and filler and not have any spice to it whatsoever. But it is a good cigar. Um, I'm digging it. So, um, yeah, well, I don't really know if I have much else, guys. I know this is a short episode. Um, my Cinco de Mayo stuff ended up going a little bit quicker than I anticipated. Um, and, uh, you know, I really uh, I don't want to just sit here and ramble on with nothing to say. Uh, like I said, you know, Gator will be back on Tuesday. We're going to discuss uh, the uh, uh, our counter offer to uh the cigar authority for purchasing their sh uh their show and um i'm sure we'll have other stories and shenanigans to go over and um kind of the way this is shaping up is it seems like um uh tuesdays will be kind of like you know shenaniganny and um you know i and i've talked about doing this before in the past and you know uh i i, I it just kind of ended up that Gator started doing two of them a week again, which, whatever. I, I'm not going to get into this now. But, um, you know, uh, my goal is hopefully then the Friday show will be the one with the guests. And it'll probably be a little bit more straight-laced and cigar-oriented. And, uh, you know, um, not necessarily, I mean, you know, as educational as I guess we can get. Although hopefully you learned something today, and if you did, that would make you the. Oh wait, that's that's the other show. Um, but uh, no, for right now, it's uh, it's. I think I think we're about done. Um, we are available on Instagram at the Cigar Pulpit as well as at Naked Gator, N E K K I D Gator. That's his page. We uh, have the uh, 
Facebook uh, Cigar Pulpit Parishioners Group. A lot of announcements get made in there. A lot of special offers, such as the sticker, get made in there. You're going to want to get in on the Cigar Pulpit Parishioners Group. There is also a Facebook chat that goes along with that. So for those of you who are like into Discord and various things like that, you know we have a nice group chat going um, with the Parishioners page where you can show off what you're smoking and kind of you know interact with one another about various topics. It's a good time. Um, we have a Twitter where we don't do jack shit and we have YouTube where you can watch this. This episode admittedly is a little boring. It's just me. And, um, then, uh, we have, uh, ask the boys, ask the boys comes up, uh, at the end of every month and we do need your calls. So you can give the ask the boys hotline a call and area code eight, six, three, eight, seven, four, zero 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 leave us a message talk to us about whatever you'd like to talk to us about uh we are going to have a contest for the month of may um right we're in may we're in may we're in may uh, yeah i'm talking about cinco de mayo what the fuck anyway we are going to have a contest for the month of may i will admit that right now i do not know what that prize is going to be i will pull something together but trust me guys we will have a contest and it'll be good um, and I will announce that here shortly. Um, otherwise, I think that's that's the show. So, again, I know it's a little bit of a short one for you this uh, this Friday, but uh, you know it happens. Anyway, uh, final thoughts on the ATL Magic. I dig it. It's got that good kind of earthy flavor to it. It's got some spice to the retro hail. Um, it's a very well constructed cigar, and um, it was a very good. Uh, cigar to try and and smoke for the Cinco de Mayo uh, episode. So, anyway, guys, with that being said, this has been another sermon from the Cigar Pulpit. I'm Nick. Stay safe and stay smoky. margarita